five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, renal dietitians Laura and Angeline return for the first in a two-part series about plant-based diets and chronic kidney disease. Today, in part one, Laura and Angeline share about plant-based diets for people in early stages of CKD and people who have received a kidney transplant. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Angeline and Laura? Hi Dee, thanks for having us back. Yeah, doing good Dee, nice to see you again. Lovely to see you too. And yes, welcome back to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. Angeline and Laura are friends of the podcast. We've done two interviews together so far. For anyone who hasn't caught them yet, we've done episode 50, which was the Christmas episode, and episode 52, which was the weight loss and CKD episode. So please do check those episodes out. There's lots of really, really good and useful information for anyone navigating the weight loss journey and also Even though it's Christmas, it's still relevant all year round. Foods in there that are kidney friendly. Yeah, so do check out those episodes. Angelina and Laura are also contributors to Kidney Care UK's Kidney Kitchen. So do check out the recipes that are on the website. And also, Angelina and Laura will be featured in Kidney Care UK's Kidney Matters magazine. So very busy sharing so much information. So yes. Kudos to Angelina and Laura. I think they're amazing. So, yes, welcome. Oh, thank <laughs> Important subject. Yeah, a nice entry. Thank you. Absolutely. Credit to where it's due. And when we met together back in December, we discussed that we would like to do an episode on the benefits of a plant-based diet for people with CKD. So I'm glad that we've come together now to record part one of a two-part episode. So yes, listeners, we have two parts to this. So lots of information to share about plant-based diets. So let's go. I'm going to kick off with my first question. And my first question is, what is a plant-based diet? Yeah, what is a plant-based diet? Yeah, it's not an easy one because there's no definition or formal explanation of what a plant-based diet actually is. So in general, it's accepted that a plant-based diet is based on predominantly fruits and vegetables, whole grains, healthy proteins such as beans, pulses, lentils, nuts and seeds. And although it can include meat and fish and dairy, in some cases it doesn't. And it's entirely down to the individual. So just as long as the diet's predominantly fruits, vegetables, whole grains and pulses. Yes, yeah, more, more of a kind of natural food rather than processed foods. Very much a whole, a whole food, yeah. 
There are several diets that fall under the umbrella, aren't there, of a plant-based diet? So there's things like the Mediterranean diet would fall under that category, vegan, vegetarian-style diets, flexitarians, the DASH diet, which was to do with reducing hypertension, reducing blood pressure, and really the Eat Well Guide, which is the UK-based model of healthy eating, is predominantly plant-based diet it encourages beans and pulses above other protein sources and that's from a sustainability angle so there's there's sort of two aspects with the plant-based diet there's the aspect of, of the health benefits but also the planetary health benefits as well and I think also now we're beginning to realize that it's not just about health and your wallet the plant-based diet can actually be affordable or more affordable than one that contains animal products such as um, meat and fish yeah so really important at the moment yeah so does that answer your question because it's it's not an easy there's no there's not a one-size-fits-all explanation of what a plant-based diet is but in general it's accepted that it's a diet pattern that includes lots of servings of fruits and vegetables plenty of whole grains when we're talking about whole grains we're talking about things like wholemeal breads brown rice wholemeal pasta other grains that are minimally processed like couscous or bulgur wheat, barley, oats, for example, you know, just your pure porridge oats. Yeah. Having. So it's a choice really when, when someone chooses to lean towards more plant-based alternatives and cut down on things like meat, fish and dairy. Yeah. I must admit, I'm very surprised to hear that meat is actually considered in a plant-based diet because when I hear plant-based diet it's always from a vegan stroke vegetarian perspective so mm-hmm. I'm actually very surprised to hear that meat would even so be in there. yeah yeah I think it doesn't mean that if you wanted to follow a more plant-based diet it doesn't mean that you have to completely exclude meat but what you might want to do consider reducing it so if you have meat every day or twice a day Perhaps think about how you can go down to once a day or even just a couple of times a week. Or for some people, it might be that they'll eat meat free on a Monday, which is a well-known campaign to lower meat consumption. So it depends where your starting point is. I wouldn't say if you're only having meat once a day, you don't want to necessarily increase that. But if you're having more than once a day, you probably want to start looking at how you can reduce it because there's no sort of clear definition on a plant-based diet Mm. you can't really say that by limiting meat to this amount it's going to have this benefit it's just about moving in that direction really like Angeline said just sort of looking where you are now and cutting down right Hmm. and it's not just about meat it can be that's fish as well isn't it and also your dairy products so looking at how you can introduce more plant-based proteins over and above those not just meat but animal proteins or animal foods yeah so the plant-based proteins that we would very much advocate things like your legumes which includes all your beans your pulses your peas your lentils nuts and seeds and even things like tofu and tempeh would be fine as well they would be included within a plant-based diet So why a plant-based diet? And as I mentioned earlier, this is part one. So today we're going to be looking specifically at early stages of CKD and transplants. So 
in part two, we'll go on to talk about people who are on dialysis. But today we're going to be focusing specifically on people who are in early stages of CKD and who have had a transplant. So yes, why a plant-based diet? What are the benefits? Uh, we've already mentioned things like the, the overall health, and that would be probably for the general population. And then um, Laura also touched on you know, the sustainability side of it, better for the planet. And then if you're sensible with the types of foods that you purchase, it can also be a lot cheaper as well, so better for your wallet. But in terms of specifically for CKD and transplant patients, there's a lot of benefits. It gets a little bit complicated, but to summarise it, I would say the fibre plays a key role. So you get more fibre. So fibre is only found in plant foods. You don't get fibre in animal foods. So your meat, your dairy, your fish will be completely devoid of any fibre. But your fibre in fruits and vegetables, your whole grains and things like your pulses, your beans, your lentils, they actually play a really valuable role. So they can help lower blood pressure. They can help stabilise blood sugars if you have diabetes. It can help with weight control because that fiber is more filling. And then it's also its role in cholesterol. So it can help to lower cholesterol. And then there's also some effects that it has on your microbiome. So the gut bacteria in that's Yeah, there's lots of research being done, isn't there, into the sort of what makes a, a healthy gut environment and fiber definitely feeds some of those bacteria that live in the gut and can have beneficial effects on the rest of the body. But I guess I, I kind of look at it sort of with CKD, there is emerging evidence that people who have less red and processed meat in their diet are less likely to get CKD in the first place. And then once somebody has got CKD, again, if you had two groups, the ones that have less red or processed meat in their diet tend to see that their kidney disease doesn't progress as fast as somebody who does have red and processed meat in their diet so that's quite key isn't it if you want to slow down the progression of ckd it would seem that a more plant-based diet is the way to go there are lots of mechanisms at play really that do get a little bit complicated it's really interesting I think the main thing that it comes down to is the fibre. You're getting more fibre from your plants and how that can behave with the microbiome. But but I suppose there are other things at play as well, things like less acid. So this is where it gets a little bit complicated, but your animal foods will be more acid forming in the body, whereas your plant foods are more alkaline forming. And that acid has to be neutralised. Your kidneys have to work harder to do that. Whereas if you've got more plant foods that are naturally doing that for you, it takes the load off the kidneys. So that's another part of it that's at play. And of course, another role for the kidneys is getting rid of the waste products from the protein that we have in our diet. So we know that most people eat more protein than they need. And plant foods tend to be naturally slightly lower in protein than the animal foods. So that switch again is a natural way to reduce your protein intake and, and lessen the load on the kidney from that side. It just eats out the kidney function for that little bit longer potentially if you're giving the kidneys a bit of a break from that excess protein. And salt, salt's that other one that kind of your kidneys are really involved in trying to get rid of excess salt. So 
again, by having a more natural diet and a more plant-based diet, you can sort of reduce your salt intake that way. It doesn't necessarily mean all plant-based diets are going to be low in salt because, of course, a lot of it can come down to how we cook and what we add to our cooking. So you'd still want to think about reducing the amount of salt or avoiding adding any salt to the foods that you're eating at the table and also think about the types of ingredients you're using when you're cooking as well. But what you tend to find is if you're having less of those processed foods and particularly things like really salty meats like bacon or sausage or salamis or Mm -hmm. smoked fish or even, you know, everyday staple like cheese, for example, which is actually very naturally salty. You're having less of those foods and more of the plant-based foods that contain very little natural salt, then you can reach that target, which has been set by the guidelines of less than a teaspoon of salt a day, essentially. And I guess it brings in when you start talking about that, those kind of food groups with the processed meat, is yeah. it naturally it comes to my mind about the amount of saturated fat in those. Yeah. You know, and if you, you compare yeah. that to your beans, pulses, lentils, there's a massive difference there in yeah. less fat in a sort of plant-based diet. And so we know that saturated fat is very closely linked to an increase in cholesterol and cardiovascular disease, which is so common in those with CKD and a transplant that anything that you can do to lower your risk is helpful. So if you can lower your cholesterol through reduced saturated fat, then you potentially lower your risk of cardiovascular disease. And this is all evidence-based because the, the latest guidelines that have come out around nutrition in CKD do say for anybody CKD 1 to 5 post-transplant or anyone that's sort of higher risk of developing kidney problems or diabetes, single kidney, they should be following a more Mediterranean-style diet. Which, you know, as we've said, a Mediterranean-style diet comes under the umbrella of a plant-based diet because it's predominantly around fruits, vegetables, whole grains, pulses, and they include a small amount of fish, dairy and meat. And the other recommendation that's sort of, again, in the international guidelines now is about increasing fruit and veg because of the benefits on weight and blood pressure. And that acid. acid. When you said about the benefit in terms of slowing down the progression of your CKD, I know that from speaking personally, that has had a positive impact on my life. And I know I'm only one person, so it's not a scientific study. but. For my regular listeners, you'll know that back in May 2019, my consultant told me he believed that I was six months away from dialysis. And at that point, my EGFR was around 11, 12, 13, around that kind of mark. And one of the things I decided to do was to cut out red meat. Because prior to that, I would have one meat-free day each week where I didn't have meat or fish. And so I decided to increase that. And now three years later, I'm not on dialysis and my kidney function is higher than when my consultant made that prediction. So I know that there's more than one reason, but I really do believe that one of the main reasons why I've been able to maintain my kidney function the way that I have is because I cut out red meat and made those changes to my diet. Obviously, I take my medication and there's other factors, but I really think that for me on a practical level, if red meat is harder for the body to digest, it's giving my kidneys more work to do. So I was like, what can I do to lessen the load on my kidneys? And that was one of the things I just made that decision that I was going to do. 
So to hear that there's actually science behind that really makes me feel good, actually. So yeah, I'm proof that it does work. And I think that's really important because um, so many people that we see in our clinics, they want to have some control over their kidney disease and some to know that there is something it? you can yeah. do yourself on a, on a day-to-day basis to help improve your health or to, you know, slow down that progression. That, that's really important. And for relatives as well. You see, we see a lot of people who are trying to you know, help the person they live with or your parents, friends. And that's not to say that that's going to be the case. I mean, I think it's wonderful that you've been able to achieve that. Three years later, you're still going and you haven't needed dialysis when you were told that you would need dialysis within six months. Yeah, it'd be wonderful if that was the case for everybody. And that might not be the case for everybody. But I think what you are doing, simply by still putting that change into place, what you are doing is you're still looking after your future health as well. Because there are other conditions that can, like Mm. I said, the strong link between CKD and cardiovascular disease. You're looking after your long-term health simply by making that change anyway. So it's still worth doing, even if you're not seeing that slowing down in the progression of your kidney disease. Now, we touched a bit about this earlier, but there is a a thing where people think that having a plant-based diet is more expensive it's going to cost a lot more, et cetera, et cetera. So is a plant-based diet more expensive or is that a myth? I would lean on the side of saying it's a myth. I hope um, I'm not too biased. I would agree. Yeah. We're both really passionate about plant-based diets, this subject. Yeah, and it's something we've been yeah. doing with Kidney Kitchen, it looking about sort of reducing the cost of some of the recipes. And, you know, we've got some ideas around producing more recipes you know how many recipes you can get out of a bag of lentils for example rather than buying beef mints and you know there's a lot of benefits there because you can bulk out food with your vegetables and it's a lot cheaper to do that and those sort of things that you can make several meals from rather than having to use them straight away. I think with the cost of food going up I mean I know that recently there was a news article that something like security tags on packs of lamb and really yeah because of the the cost of it so high big blocks of butter something like 10 pounds for mm. butter and then yeah security tags on packs of meat so if you, I mean if wow. you're thinking about making a curry and you would normally put chicken in it you can put half the amount of chicken and that's the expensive part of the curry it's the meat so you could put half the amount of chicken in it and use a tin of chickpeas to bulk it out and that makes it more plant-based. Or you could go without the chicken at all and use more lentils and chickpeas and add some cauliflower and some peas. And those are still cheaper than buying a pack of chicken breasts. Mm. I think where people get a little bit more concerned is sometimes with the fresh fruit and vegetables, thinking mm. some of that's more expensive. But they're worrying about the waste, maybe, if they're not yeah. using it all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think... Um, there's a lot you can do around using more sort of frozen fruits and vegetables and tinned things, which helps on both of those fronts. Being organised with your meal planning so that, you know, you are buying things that you are going to use or things that you can freeze if you don't use them. Trying to buy sort of more seasonal goods as well. It's not about having to be organic or from a greengrocer or sustainable yeah local only sourced plants it can still be from the budget supermarket that you go to on a regular basis and 
and perhaps go for their reduced offerings. And like Laura rightly said, frozen. You don't have to buy a fresh cauliflower broccoli. Get it frozen. And then that's a great way, like I've mentioned, that curry, bulk that curry out. Yeah, with throw in some extra vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. And how easy is that as well? Because you don't have to cook them first. It's literally throw them into the curry yeah. once it's towards the end of its cooking time. Frozen fruits and vegetables will definitely be your friends. And tinned as well are absolutely fine. You do need to be a little bit cautious of things like the added sugar and salt, which I think less and less food manufacturers are doing now. Most of them are tinned in water. And the same with the lentils. It doesn't have to be dried. Although the dry does work out cheaper, you can still buy tinned lentils. And again, they're inexpensive in comparison to meat. Yeah. This is a good source of protein. And most of them are tinned in water now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's quite a variety. Yeah. And then even your grains, a lot of the wholemeal pastas you can get in the budget supermarkets, wholemeal breads you can, as with brown rice, you don't have to go to a special whole foods or health food shop to get those sorts of foods. They're all available. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention budget supermarket names. I know that. (laughs) Well, as long as you mention more than one, so we're not endorsing a specific one. I'm sure we can with you. I regularly shop at Little Thought Aldi. Yeah, and I'll easily find wholemeal pasta, brown rice. They do their weekly 39p or 59p fruits and vegetables um, that you can incorporate into everyday meals. They'll do bags of dried lentils, but equally they do the tinned as well. And a huge selection of frozen vegetables, such as Iceland, they do a huge selection, as do all the other supermarkets. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, you can get the kind of cheap versions and the more expensive versions. Yeah. 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 But nutritionally, they're pretty much the same yeah I think people worry about are frozen vegetables you know nutritionally better or worse for me than fresh I would just say don't worry about it first of all just get the extra vegetables in but the answer to that question is there's no nutritional difference quite often these frozen vegetables are better because they're frozen soon after they're picked so they're fresher whereas fresh vegetables sit around on the shelves a little bit longer and go through a bit more transportation not that I want people to worry about that, really. I just didn't get the vegetables no. in. I was just thinking as well about like the post-transplant patients can sometimes be a little bit more cautious about being immunosuppressed and sort of cooking things and eating leftovers and things, which comes into it. Because if you've got vegetables that need using up, you can get them into most meals, really, can't you? Either as a side or incorporated in the meal. Yeah, or a nice big soup. Yeah, chunky vegetable soup. It's a great way of using up leftover veg. Yeah, and if you do end up then making more than you intended to, it's about cooling that and freezing it as soon as possible to avoid any kind of foodborne illness. But also, I mean, I think the benefit of that is you've always got an instant meal in your freezer on the days when you really don't feel like cooking or there's nothing in the fridge. Always helpful. (laughs) I hope that. Like I said, I think we are a little bit biased because we're both really passionate about it. But I do firmly believe that a plant-based diet can be cheaper. Mm. Thank you. And just to reaffirm, there are lots of different supermarkets out there, so we're not specifically (laughs) endorsing any specific one. So there are a lot of meat-free alternative products out there. There's a whole new market that you see popping up in the different supermarkets again we're not endorsing any specific one but you do see a lot of them popping up now there's a whole section of 
meat-free alternatives. So what is your take on those? Are they as healthy? Are they as good? Are they the equivalent of processed foods, but with a plant-based title? What's your opinion on the meat-free alternative market? I think um, this is where you need to be really careful and you need to be a bit of a savvy consumer and know how to read labels, but also just read in between the lines. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. And you get a lot of these plant-based sausage rolls. And that doesn't mean it's any healthier than a regular sausage roll. Still got pastry wrapped it's, it's going to be high in fat. It's, it's going to be high in salt. Yeah. I've even seen plant-based biscuits which will be made with white flour and yeah and they're probably plant-based of sugar anyway. yeah I mean <laughs> I, I guess they might have had milk in them I see some things yeah. like you, you see um, crisps and it's sort of labeled as being vegan or plant-based and you think well what was it before then yeah was it fried in lard or something before <laughs> yeah so I think people are jumping on the plant-based market and anything that doesn't have anything that came from an animal in it they're calling plant-based and that's because there's no legal requirements or... Because no. um, well, it's not the definition for plant-based food, it's for yeah. plant-based diet, you can't do it. But when I think about it, I think there is a role for some of the, the meat alternatives in helping someone as they sort of transition towards uh, perhaps a meat-free diet. But when you stop and look at it, they are more processed and it's this element of processing that's a big issue. So if it's processed, it's likely to have more salt, more sugar, more additives, which could be things like potassium and phosphate in, in those that we're trying to avoid that. And that becomes more of an issue. So the food kind of needs to look how it how it's supposed to look rather than have it being sort of mushed up and put back together again. Yeah, I think it is a difficult one to navigate because there are some plant foods that don't necessarily look like their original. Say, for example, oat milk doesn't look like an oat anymore, but it's still a healthy alternative yeah. to... It's cut. not gone through too many stages. Yeah. And... What I would say is minimally processed. They've yeah. just taken out the milk from the oat. And then again, you know, something like tofu. Tofu would still be processed, but it's still part of a plant-based diet. And I think it could still be yeah. a help form healthy. So we I guess what be... I was thinking was more about the, you know, vegan sausages and the sausage, vegan yeah. chicken pieces, yeah. meat vegan roasted <laughs> yeah. dinners, that, that type yeah. of thing, which we know actually can sometimes be higher in salt than the, you know, meat-based alternative, yeah. you know, the real meat alternative. There was a survey that was done a few years ago on all these meat-based alternatives and it was found that some of them were higher in salt than the original. So you do need to be like, I think Laura's right, it does come down to the sausages, the burgers, the meatballs that are pretending to be like fake meats, potentially. And that's not to say there isn't a place for them in a plant-based diet, because I think, you know, we can all have those things occasionally. What you just don't want to do is make that the main everyday event. Yeah. Yeah, try and focus more on the beans, pulses and lentils if you can. And also, I think what Laura said about using them as a transition, they are useful for getting away from that meat taste if you still want the taste of meat. But trying only using them as a transition so that eventually you do get away from them completely or you're using them less and less. Right. So it sounds like 
the alternative meat market is something that is useful, especially when it comes to transition, but not something you should fully rely on because of the issues with the higher levels of salt, sugar, etc. So in a way, putting it in the same category as processed foods, really, where it's the same kind of issues that come up and you need to be aware of. So it has a use, but don't use it too much. It's not an everyday thing. Would that be fair to say? What really is it from meat to meat-free alternatives? It's, you know, there to help you in the transition or to provide an occasional bit of variety, which we all like in our diets, but it's not to be the main basis, the main source of protein in your diet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of the plant foods having more beneficial high fiber beneficial vitamins and minerals you're almost depriving yourself of that if you're just relying on the processed meat alternatives that are going to be high in salt and high in fat and sometimes have added sugar yeah so I would say just be careful what you look for and perhaps even learning how to read the nutritional information on the back to look for ones that are lower in salt or even just doing a comparison for products just to look for the ones that is the lowest salt option if you're thinking about using these products to transition and also just be careful anything that says on the front that it's (laughs) plant-based it probably isn't the real plant-based stuff are the plants the fruits the vegetables the whole grains and the the legumes nuts and seeds yeah not that chocolate brownie that's described as plant-based and i have seen the chocolate brownie described as plant-based there are definitely some unhealthy vegan diets that we've come across yeah I mean, a vegan diet, you can live on chips and certain biscuits are vegan. So being vegan doesn't necessarily mean being healthy. So if something's described as vegan... in their mind, don't they, yeah. that that's sort of the, the really healthy one. But yeah, it's going for this more whole food approach. So for somebody who is thinking of transitioning into a plant-based diet, how do you get started? I think it depends where you are at the moment, how much you've got to change and how much you're ready to change. And I think be careful not to try and be perfect from day one. Just take it slow and steady. And there's various methods, whatever works for you. So we mentioned Meat Free Monday. I think what Dee said as well about, you know, you you began by just where you're having one sort of vegetarian type day a week and then you know it's just yeah. to, to build on that really. which is like a meat free monday isn't it so it doesn't have to be on a monday by the way it can be yeah, any yeah, day yeah. of the week which are, any day yeah <laughs> any day yeah so like yeah like laura's just said you started with one day cutting out meat yeah i often talk to people about in terms of improving health if they were having red meat maybe four or five times a week you know could, could we just reduce that to two or three times a week so just having it and kind of going down that process and it's not just thinking about your main meals it's thinking about yes yeah, sort of lunches and things as well so a lot of people relying on the hams and the cheese and the sort of more processed meats those meals so having a good look about kind of what you do on a regular basis how often things feature over the week and then making changes in the right direction But on a more practical aspect and thinking about the cost side of things, I'd very much sort of encourage people to experiment with maybe if they're making a bolognese or a shepherd's pie or a cottage pie, 
could you mix your standard mints with perhaps some vegetarian mints as a starting point could you use less mints and bulk up on vegetables there's the sort of thing as a mum you try and do for your kids anyway you know grating a bit of carrot you know hide the courgette in there mm-hmm. um there's lots of different ways you can add more plant foods in you mentioned the lentils the red lentils all of those yeah. meals work really well green lentils yeah make red. a nice texture don't they? yeah all of those meals work really well with lentils so you could have a beef and lentil cottage pie or a beef and lentil bolognese or go full lentil bolognese if you're ready for that we've got the recipe on Kindy Kitchen. yeah we have <laughs> um, um, if you usually have a chilli, then go for perhaps a bean chilli or add more beans and less beef and certainly more of the vegetables as well. And some of those like more Indian meals really lend themselves to a kind of a plant-based approach. So they use a lot more things like chickpeas in the curries, cut down on the, like the dal, chicken, the dal, you know, the yeah, dal which are purely yeah. sort of, veget- can be purely vegetarian. Yeah. yeah, one other thing I always look at is, you know, what, whole grains are you having so are you still having white bread white rice white pasta start introducing the brown varieties so start looking at wholemeal breads wholemeal pasta brown rice and then also looking at you know the types of cereals that people have for breakfast so those sugary and salty cereals that are out there the white cereals such as flaked corn I'm gonna say <laughs> rather than <laughs> or the, the rice-based cereals yeah, 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 yeah. make a noise and yeah. um, those yeah <laughs> very good way of getting around naming the product that's all things um, yeah so and moving towards perhaps something like an oat-based you know having oats and whether that's porridge or overnight oats or having like a whole grain cereal and a whole grain uh, piece of toast in the morning or some of the other whole grain cereals that have very little added salt and sugar so like the wheat biscuits or the, I don't know how else to describe them without using their real name the <laughs> I've seen them called wheat pillows before. wheat pillows yeah <laughs> I don't know if people know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So making that sort of transition, moving away from the white varieties of yeah, and, and if whole it's, grains. it's something you you know you're really worried you're gonna miss your sort of normal cereal, could you go half and half, you know? Could you just start off with the muesli base and sprinkle a few of the other yeah. crunchy things on top that you or have one enjoy. wheat pillow with, <laughs> with your flaked corns on top. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, your exactly. rice pop cereal. Yeah. But the so, other thing I, I often say is, you know, when we think about that eat well guide and, and healthy eating, a third of what you eat in the day should be your fruit and vegetables. So to get that in at every meal, just think, where can I add some fruit and vegetables to this? So with my breakfast, can I, can I add a handful of berries into there? Can I sort of slice a banana on top? When I'm having my lunch, I'm having my sandwich, could I put a bit of lettuce in there just to... Yeah, add a, add a bit of extra and rather than it. the crisps have some veggie sticks on the side with maybe some hummus dip or something like that or yeah. use that as a snack yeah yeah you find it much more filling probably as well yeah. and thinking about your evening meal is a good third of your plate covered in vegetables yeah yeah so I think it's easy to go with some of the more traditional meals like the spaghetti bolognese and have a very much mince-based part of the meal and the pasta and then forget about those vegetables so you know should I serve it with a salad or can I cut that meat by half and bulk it up with vegetables yeah. instead instead of the garlic bread that might come on the side yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's good for everybody in the whole family then, isn't it, as well? I mean, this isn't just about... No, absolutely, yeah. This, this is for the general population. Like um, Laura said earlier, you know, our Eat Well Guide, which is the healthy eating model that the, the UK encourage everybody, regardless of whether you have CKD or not, or kidney transplant or not, that's still a plant-based diet and it's healthy eating for all the family. So these are all things that should fit in with everybody. Yeah, looking at all the proportions of things, mm. keeping the, the sort of dairy and meat on the sort of smaller side, just sort of a small amount in, mm. in two meals, perhaps. Yeah, no, I mean, another thing you could do is look at the milk that you're having and perhaps consider one of the plant milks out there. From a CKD point of view, transplant, probably go for things like a rice milk or an oat milk or an almond. Yeah, with the nut milks, yeah. really. The, the soya milk has got the same amount of protein as, as cow's milk or very similar but the other ones are slightly lower in protein and we, we talked a little bit about most people overeating protein anyway so that kind of is why I guess we'd look more at the nut milks or the oat milk or the rice milk. Yeah because they, they are naturally much lower in protein so it's just a, an easy way of not really having to think about your protein on a daily basis and just naturally lowering it. Yeah. can be helpful and that yeah. links into other products then doesn't it like the yogurts and the creme fraiche and the yeah creams and things but I think we're so lucky there's such a variety out there now of much more plant-based alternative yogurts and milks that you're bound to find one that you enjoy that you like that's got to be important Dee. people have still got to enjoy their food because there's so much variety out there, I'm sure you would find something that you would enjoy. I suppose this is a good point to sort of talk about a few of the sort of caveats, but you know, for people that are going to go onto a, a wholly plant-based or a wholly sort of vegan type diet, about the nutrients that you just need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking about calcium then, so when we're talking about dairy alternatives, so a lot of them are fortified with calcium to bring them up to the same level as cow's milk but it's it's probably good to have those type of products in your diet twice a day so something like the you know the milk on your cereal and a a yogurt to try and get get some of the calcium in some of the nuts are also quite good sources of calcium as is you know your green veggies as well and your pulses and tofu because they use calcium calcium to set it yeah so some of them are setting calcium and so they'll be really high sources of calcium as well if somebody was to follow a completely plant-based diet, do you want to go into some of the other vitamins? It might, be, it might be useful. Yeah, so B12 is only really found in animal products, and that's not because they naturally have B12. It's because B12 is essentially a bacteria. And before, when we probably were foraging for food and we would go and find our vegetables to eat, they would have naturally had this bacteria oh on them, and we would have eaten that, and that's how we would have got our B12. But because we wash all of our food now, it's more difficult for us to get B12 from our diet unless we're eating animal products. And that's because the animals are eating from the ground and taking in this bacteria. So they naturally have it. So if you're going to cut out animal foods completely, then it's important that you have a supplement for B12. Yeah, things like nutritional yeast. Yeah, so nutritional yeast is um, useful. Most plant milks are fortified with some B12. The recommendation is to have 10 micrograms at least a day. So you can buy supplements in the health food store Mm. and just take 10 microgram supplement of B12. But it's important that you have a reliable source 
a deficiency in B12 can cause problems that are long term. So it's important that you do, if you're going to completely exclude all animal foods, that you do have a reliable source of B12. Yeah, I was thinking a wholly plant-based diet is trying to keep it nice and colourful, so making sure there's enough of the sort of more orangey colour things like the sweet potatoes, butternuts, squash, melons to get your beta carotene so you can produce enough vitamin A in the body. And then iodine's another one, isn't it, that's sort of being talked about more. So Again, lots of plant milks already have iodine added yeah. as well. And might not be the amount that you need so sometimes an iodine supplement is useful that's really if somebody is completely plant-based because you do get iodine from things like your vegetables we just don't know how much Mm. what you want to avoid is things like seaweed get your iodine seaweed's not a reliable source of iodine there's um are we allowed to mention a particular vitamin it's the only one isn't it that has it all in there yeah for somebody who's on a, a purely plant-based or whole food plant-based diet, no animal products, no fish, no dairy, the Vegan Society do have a, a Veg One, isn't it? Veg, yeah, Veg One supplement, which contains everything that to keep you as, as healthy as possible. So it, it contains the B12, it contains iodine, and it's also got a little bit of selenium in there, and it's got a little bit of vitamin D as well. Yeah, and then the other thing I, that I was thinking, so we were talking a bit earlier about omega-3s, weren't we, and mm. getting the right mix of oils. Um, and we know that traditionally people get a lot of their omega-3 from oily fish in the diet. But in a more plant-based diet, you can have things like a spoonful of chia seeds on your cereal. or um, Linseed. Ground linseeds or um, Walnut. walnuts. So just if you're going to go the whole hog... you. <laughs> probably the wrong term you just need to be prepared for it and make sure that you are still getting all those nutrients that you need i think there's an excellent website that's worth mentioning that has the plant-based eat well guide and so it's got all this information on there it's on the plant-based health professionals website and they have the plant-based eat well guide on there which does go into the different portions of the diet so the vegetables whole grains the proteins and then also it goes into the supplement side of it as well how to get the right nutrients from your diet but that's really for people that are going to follow a completely plant-based diet and some people might still be happy to have their oily fish once a week or to include some eggs for the b12 but yeah but if you do decide to go completely sort of meat and, and dairy and fish free then you just need to be prepared really make sure that you're covering all those nutrients yeah so on the kidney kitchen website which you'll find on kidney care uk there are a selection of fully plant-based meals to help people get started as well so there's the lentil bolognese which laura mentioned earlier took a bit of persuading to get chef to make that one yeah he wasn't convinced <laughs> by that was he initially <laughs> um pleasantly surprised i hope i think so yeah and there's a butternut squash and chickpea curry got bean burrito haven't we do yeah bean burrito like a salad on the side a couple of dal recipes yeah yeah we do have some dal recipes there's the north african one pot stew Mm, as well which is more lentil and vegetable based served with like a flatbread a whole grain flatbread on the side 
And there's a lovely vegetable crumble, which has been really popular, isn't it? That's yeah. not fully plant-based because it does use some dairy in it. But, yeah, you know, it's certainly fresh, a way. But, you know, we, in every recipe in the food facts, we've got a vegetarian and vegan kind of comments on yeah. how you could make the recipe potentially vegetarian or vegan. So it's, it's worth having a look at the recipes that aren't yeah. and just seeing if there's a, a good swap in there that you could use. Yeah, I mean, those are all just the starters. There are there are more on there and there will be more coming because we're always adding to them and we very much were advocating more of a plant-based approach. Obviously, we want to meet the demands for everybody. So there will be some, we'll continue to have some meat and fish-based mm-hmm. ones, but then we're, we're introducing more and more plant-based ones. And that's where in sort of the next part of this, when we start talking about dialysis, we're working hard to have a range of recipes that I've got a little bit more protein, but are still plant-based for somebody who's on dialysis because they do have high protein requirements. Whereas most of the recipes we've got on there at the moment are plant-based and slightly lower in protein, yeah. so suiting the kind of CKD transplant patient. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this really, really, really useful information. I know that this will help so many people in terms of managing their CKD, in terms of finding new recipes and exciting ways of adding new things to their diet. I'm really looking forward to part two, where we're going to look more at people who are on dialysis and looking to be on a plant-based diet. So thank you so much again for joining me. It's been absolutely wonderful. It's been a pleasure. I love talking about this topic and I, I think, well, Laura does as well. Yeah, no, thank you, Dee. It's um, good to have the opportunity because more and more people are becoming interested in it for lots of different reasons and you need to have the science and the support behind it to Mm. keep it as healthy as possible. It's been a pleasure, Dee. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kitty Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.